0: Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Striebeck. One of my favorite scenes from Aaron Sorkin's West Wing series uh, years ago was a scene at, around Christmas time, in one of the seasons when uh, one of the staffers is having a hard time, has been through something tough, and then you have, so you have the more senior guy who's the White House chief of staff, and he goes to this young man, and he, in the midst of his hard time, he tells him this story. He says, Josh, let me tell you a story. This guy is walking down the street, and he falls in a hole, and the walls are so steep that he can't get out. And so a doctor passes by and he shouts, you know, the guy in the hole shouts up, "Hey, can you help me out?" And so the doctor writes a prescription and drops it in the hole. He moves on and then a priest comes along and the guy in the hole shouts out, "Hey, father, can you help me out?" You know, I'm down here struggling and then the priest writes a prayer on the, you know, piece of paper and he throws it down in the hole and he moves on. And then a friend walks by and so the guy calls out, "Hey, Joe, it's me, can you help me out?" And the friend jumps in the hole. And our guy says, are you dumb? You know, what are you thinking? He says, now we're both down here. And the friend says, yeah, but I've been down here before, and I know the way out. The action of the friend in this little parable could best be described as empathy. Empathy. The dictionary says that empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Uh, Brene Brown, who is a, a popular kind of psychology research expert now, who actually lectures at the University of Austin, uh, in, University of Texas in Austin, sorry. See, I told you I was going to give credibility there. Okay. Anyways, um, that school down there in Austin, uh, she's, she's a lecturer, but she's great. Her work is great. If you ever want to just watch some great little short videos on compassion or empathy or what motivates people, what makes a good leader, Brene Brown, is wonderful stuff. But She says that empathy is feeling with someone. So someone's in the hole, and you jump down there, and you share that experience with them. You know, you don't ask them a bunch of questions. You don't ask them, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry you're going through a divorce. What are the details? Can you tell me all the mix? You just, you know, you stand there with them, and you say, I'm sorry that this is going on, and I'll, you know, I'm here. And you just, you're just there. And that's empathy takes you to those places. Uh, there are a lot of unhealthy ways that you can show that kind of uh, action to someone. But, it, uh, but empathy at its best, it's a strong person that's offering their feelings to share with another person to give them a more human experience in the midst of their suffering, in the midst of what they're going through. So it doesn't surprise us as Jesus begins his ministry, and he lets everyone know that he will be spending a lot of time, with people who are down in a hole. And he makes it very clear up front. People who could use a good dose of empathy. To some in the story and in the ongoing story that we live, this is great news and people respond positively to this message of Jesus. To others, this is infuriating news and they respond negatively to the message of Jesus. And so it's important for us to consider Uh, Not only as we seek to know and relate to the Son of God, but also as we, the church, seek to carry out the mission of Christ and we understand our mission and what that looks like in the world. So if this is kind of Jesus saying, this is why I came, then it's pretty important for us to understand that too because we are carrying on uh, the ministry of Jesus in the very body of Christ, the church. So, let's turn to Luke chapter 4 uh, and and look a little more closely at the text that was read for us today. Jesus, as Becky mentioned, is in the power of the Spirit. Um, People, it's amazing, you know, people in the surrounding countryside are responding positively to the message that's going out, and good things are happening, and so Jesus returns to his hometown, to Nazareth and he goes into the synagogue on the day that you're supposed to go to the synagogue and as was his custom Luke tells us he he's there and he comes in and you know you got to think about this this is this is the place that Jesus grew up this is the place where Jesus learned how to read scripture in the first place so this is like all the people you know Jesus has come back and all the people you can imagine them watching him walk in and go we taught him how to read Jeremiah you know, we, we were with him when he learned how to read Ezekiel. We remember, remember when he was 11 years old and he had that great grasp on the prophet Micah or whatever it is, right? So there's all this pride and this excitement because Jesus came home. And he stands up and and Luke says the people were amazed. They were going, wow, this guy, you know, wherever he's been, whatever he's been doing, that, that was incredible. So they hand him the scroll. He stands up. They hand him the scroll, Isaiah, and he turns to the bit in Isaiah where he reads this out, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's kind of two, he combines two passages in Isaiah, 61 and 58, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. (laughs) You know, not another prophet. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do these things, to be this person and proclaim this good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and he goes through this bit, and just as he stood up, unrolled the scroll and read from it, then he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, And then he sits down. So we have this movement where Jesus stands up, unrolls the scroll. He reads, rolls up the scroll, and he sits down. So it really highlights what Jesus says when he reads because we see this. He stood up, and he unrolled, he sat down, he rolled it up. And so we're, we're just zero, you know, laser focused in on this bit of Scripture that was read. And so when he says, these are the reasons that I came, and all of these people who are down in a hole that I came to proclaim liberty or forgiveness to, uh, these are people, you know, when he talks about proclaim good news to the poor, this, the poor in this context in Luke, what he's been trying to tell us from the beginning and what he continues throughout his gospel is that the poor people here are any, anyone with diminished status, I'm thankful to Joel Green for that insight and uh, a Luke scholar who just anyone with diminished status. I mean, that could mean just because you were a female in that culture, there were many ways in which you would be in that category of poor. If you were somebody that was going through a tough economic time and you maybe had lots of resources and lots of stuff, but you were up against the wall, you would be in a tough place uh, if you had been through some things, right? You, you were a widow, you, whatever's going on. There's a lot of ways that you can be poor, uh, not only in that culture, but in today's culture as well. So Jesus is saying, this is the reason that I came. This is the focus of my ministry. This is who I'm going to be spending time with. And it's not that that drives the people crazy. So as the story goes on, everybody just looks around and goes, wow, that was incredible. And Jesus said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is me. Uh, I'm the son of God. And Luke's told us this through Jesus' baptism, through the genealogy. He said, this is not just Jesus, son of Joseph. This is the son of God. And so what do the people say? They say, that was great. That was a very nice reading. Isn't that Jesus, the son of Joseph? And they, and they totally miss that part. It's just say no, I'm, I'm specifically telling you that I'm not just the son of Joseph, but I'm the son of God. And you should know that by the scripture that I just read to you. And so, but everyone responds positively. They spoke well of him. They marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? And so between that moment where they marveled and said, wow, this is wonderful, and uh, after the little bit that Jesus is going to respond We get down to verse 28 in Luke And it says When they heard these things All in the synagogue were filled with wrath and that's a big change from They all welcomed it; It was a good stuff And then they were all filled with wrath And because they were filled with wrath They rise up and they drive him out of town They take him to the edge of the hill You know They take him to some place Overlooking Lake Sweetwater And they're about to run him off the edge uh, To his death uh, but passing through their midst, Jesus slips away. So what did Jesus say that really took them from, hey, this is great, glad you're here, to uh, we're running you out of town and we're going to stone you to death or push you off a cliff, or whichever comes first. And so, so Jesus says in the middle, he says, okay, you're going to quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself, what we heard you did in Capernaum, do here in your hometown. He says, I tell you in truth that... Um, No prophet is acceptable in his hometown, and he's going through. So again, he's calling himself a prophet, so they're starting to get a little little, little steam going. He's calling himself a prophet. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel. So he calls back to this story when Elijah was a prophet, and Elijah was in ministry. He said, remember back in your scriptures when there were many, many widows in Israel? In the days of Elijah, the heavens were shut up. They were going through a hard time. A great famine came over the earth. But Elijah was sent to none of them, none of the widows of Israel, only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in the time of Israel, in in the time of the prophet Elisha. And none of those Israeli lepers were cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. So Jesus opens the story and he says, okay. I'm not here to do your bidding. (laughs) I I am here in the power of the Spirit, and I'm beginning my ministry, but I'm not just here to be your dog and pony show. I'm not just going to hang out here in this synagogue and take care of, you know, all of us that are already in the synagogue. But he begins to tell stories about people who are outside Israel, right? He talks about a woman who is a non-Jew, who is a widow. He talks about uh, Naaman the Syrian, who is a Non-Jew who is a leper, so they've both got two strikes against them in that culture. Uh, one is a leper; they would be, you know, estranged and outside. Uh, one is a woman who is not going to have the same right, and then she's a widow, and so all this stuff's going on. But they were both um, non-Jewish; they were both non—not uh, part of the people of God. And so this is this is the point where people get frustrated. You're saying, "Okay, yeah, it's great that you have all that stuff, but this is going to be directed at." somebody else, somebody outside, somebody who needs the ministry, somebody who needs uh, the empathy of Jesus. So, finding the empathy of Jesus as he perfectly models it is not a natural thing. None of us are just nice enough people. None of us are just naturally full of empathy. It, It doesn't happen for anyone over time naturally. Now, some of us may be more predisposed to it by you know, whatever, but nobody's naturally just good at it all the time. And so we're calling on something that is deeper. We're asking for to be changed, to become these kind of people. So finding the empathy of Jesus is, is a supernatural journey. It's something that only the Spirit of God can work in us as we cooperate with the Spirit of God. And I have to be honest, I would have surely been one of those people who was ready to throw Jesus off the cliff. And I know this because I know what they were thinking. They were thinking, we have to uphold the law. And you know what it says in Deuteronomy about somebody who comes in and makes false claims about being God or about leading them astray in a different direction from God? It says, you should stone them. You should eliminate the evil that is among you. And so they thought that's what they were doing. They thought this guy has lost his mind. It's great. He's Jesus. He's from Our hometown but he's lost it and here he is comparing himself to these great prophets and he's saying he's the son of God and we can't tolerate this stuff if we're the good people of Israel that I think you are synagogue you're going to run this guy out of town and they did and I'm and honestly I'm going that I would have been right there I would have I would have done that because I know that it is within me I have the capacity in me to silence compassionate voices When it deals with people that I have decided somewhere along the way are not worthy of compassion. So, Jesus reminds us that possessing great empathy for the glory of God, though, is not, it does not mean that we become doormats, right? We don't get all, it doesn't mean we're all touchy feely people. It doesn't mean that we just get, you know, let ourselves get run over for whatever. It doesn't mean that we lack conviction. It means that we're strong, that we're strong in the goodness of God, and therefore we have that to share with others. The empathy of Jesus is full of strength. And I just think of all the things that we do in the church, all the ways that we serve, all the ways that things that we do that we just have forgotten even sometimes why we do them, but we just keep doing them. And it's a beautiful thing. It doesn't matter if we're a part of a committee that's trying to decide the best way to be stewards in a congregation, or if we're greeting someone at the door for Sunday morning worship, or if we're greeting a new kid to a youth ministry and we're welcoming him in and we're spending time with somebody and he's an awkward teenager like we were all awkward teenagers, then, you know, all of these things that we're doing, we're basically saying, hey, I see, I I know what it's like, all right? I've been there. I know the reason that you came to church. You didn't come to church because you got it all together. You didn't come to church because you're grandstanding. You came to church because you realize there's something inside of you that is lacking, is missing. There's a hunger and a thirst inside of you for something real and that you came here to worship today because you've heard that God is real and you've heard that forgiveness is real. And so I'm so glad that you're here Because that's why I'm here too. (laughs) So welcome to church. You know, every time we extend our hand, every time we look at someone with our eyes and smile at them and tell them that way, we're saying, hey, I've been there. So glad you're here. You know, you're going through that thing. Wonderful, glad you're in worship. This is the perfect place for you because the empathy of Jesus is healing, is perfect. And you're gonna find that here. And so every time we do that, we're extending this kind of empathy, this kind of love That hey, we've been in that hole before too, but it's okay because we've learned the way out. So how do we, the church, and individual members of the church, how do we find the empathy of Jesus? All right, it's out there. We go, hey, that's great. We would love to live that way, to be that way. How do we get there? I mean, how do we change? If there's that group of people that I know needs ministry and I just I just can't do it. I'm up to here. uh, How how do I get there? How do I find? How do I access that? Empathy of Jesus, how can I be that for someone else? How can we be that as a church? I think we begin by discovering the answer to another question. And that question is, where is the place, where is the time and the place where the empathy of Jesus found you? Where is that moment in time, where is that place where the empathy of Jesus found me? Where we knew we were in a hole and there was no way we were getting out. And we thought in some way or another that our life was over. And then in steps the Son of God, and he gathers himself up to, you know, and he gathers us into himself, and he says, it's okay. He I said, I, I, I know exactly what you're feeling, and I know the way out. In fact, Jesus would say to us, I am the way out. I am the way out. And chances are, when we look back on that moment, it probably involves somebody else. It involves somebody extending a hand to us. It involves somebody inviting us. It involves somebody praying for us. It involved a church opening their arms so that we could find healing and forgiveness and hope. So wherever that place was, if we can go back and find that place, I think it's in that place that we learn to become a people who carry on and find the empathy of Jesus. I want to close with a, a line by a great U2 line. So Bono has a song he writes. Um, and the chorus, he says, I'm hanging on. You're all that's left to hold on to. I'm hanging on. And you're all that's left to hold on to. Now, I don't know. I'm not a U2 scholar. I don't know who he's singing about. But I kind of have an idea. And I'm thinking, Eve, regardless of who he's singing about, I know. I love that as a prayer. I'm hanging on. You're all that's left to hold on to. And in that moment, we, we recognize, we know that, hey, I'm reaching out for the empathy of Jesus. And I'm also saying by reaching out my hand, I will, be, I will become what I receive. I will become the empathy of Jesus to a broken and hurting world. That's the moment where the strong, liberating empathy of Jesus finds us, and that's where we begin to carry the same strong, liberating empathy to a hurting world.